the Silver Saints lunch, so we know what you're going to bring. Okay. Um, and I think we're going to do some special family business today, right? So, Tim, you want to come up? And Elizabeth, get started on that. Testing, testing. All right. You're good. You're on. Yes. Yep. All right. Very good. Uh, can we have all of our graduates stand up? If you graduated from high school, college, any other options? All right. Yes, we're so proud of you. I know most of you probably had, you know, weird things. We had a drive-in service for our graduation for our school next door. So I know it's been different, but we honor you the same. And we're so excited for where you're going, where God has you. And so can you guys just reach your hands out? Let's bless them. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you use seasons in our life as markers. And I just prophesy over each and every one of these that this will be a marker in their life for when you met them, when you encountered them, where things shifted and that they will never be the same. God, we pray blessings on their coming and going. We bless them in their next steps, God. I pray that even if they're not sure what those are, that you would come alongside and guide their every step. Lord, I pray that the dreams of their hearts would be fulfilled. The longings in their heart would be fulfilled because we know that's a tree of life. Lord, we just bless them. We thank you, God, for each of them and the hard work that they've put in to come to this place. We bless them in that, and we thank you, Lord, that you are a rewarder. So, God, I just pray that this next step will be the best ever in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, we're going to ask Sean and Amber to come on up here. And Ari. We do have a tradition around here that when we have a a graduate that's finished uh, their homeschooling, we want to make sure that they get a chance to have a small graduation or just a place of honor. And um, Ari, funny enough, Ari's not been a long-term homeschooler. She's been with us for years next door and then... Um, before that, just and, and honestly, she's life. grown up here her whole life. And so, uh, Sean and Amber, just gonna, we're going to take a moment and just honor Ari and bless her and her graduation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Ari actually chose this year to, um, instead of finishing her senior year at Hill Country, to go to ACC and uh, do dual credit classes. And not because we didn't love the people or the school, but just because she knew what she wanted to do and college costing what it does, it made the most sense for us. And so I think she was um, prepared for how challenging it would be academically, but uh, I don't think we were prepared for how hard it would be emotionally to not be here with her friends, to not get the senior things. And um, when Tim and Tom suggested that we do this, it just, it made sense. It felt appropriate because she's been here since she was three days old. Right, right, exactly. And so... um, you guys have loved her and have walked with her and have mentored her, so many of you, and, um, and, and really been a family. And um, we homeschooled through the eighth grade and then came here for high school. And four weeks into that, um, we suddenly lost my mom. And um, she wasn't the kind of faraway grandma. She was the next-door grandma that was involved in our lives and, you know, best buddy and, and biggest advocate. And, but you guys were here for us. And you, you know, you walked through that with us. And so I, I just want to say thank you for being our tribe and for being our people. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I hear a lot like, you know, do we really need to go to church? And, uh, and you know, do you have to go to church to worship God? Of, of course not. But this is what you get. One of the things you get when you do, you get a family. And so you guys are our family. So um, Ariana is graduating uh, high school with 24 college credit hours. Wow. With a with a 3.89 average. <laughs> and um, most of all, she she just loves the Lord. Yes. And and we are 
just so incredibly proud of not just what she's accomplished, but of who she is. And um, her, her scripture for the year has been um, out of Proverbs 31. It says um, she's clothed with uh, strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. And I know the world seems very chaotic right now, and none of us know exactly what it's going to look like. But I want to tell you that you have everything you need. And you are completely equipped for this next season. Yes. And yes. it's going to be really, really good. So we're super proud of you. Congratulations. Yeah, so uh, we do have a tradition that um, we have for those who've been in the high school next door, and it's a dog tag that we actually give to every graduate. Um, I gave it to your mom because if we wanted to be here for 10 minutes to watch me do the clasp, we could do that. Or I just told her I'll let her do it. And so this just says, Ari, go change the world. Go change the world. And so right now, we just bless you as the leadership of this house. Chris, if you just come and just lay your hands on Ari right now. And, and we just we bless you. We just declare it now. Go. Go make disciples of nations. Go change your world. Go be an influencer. And I just give you permission to go be radical. Go be radical. You don't have to be loud to be radical. Just go be radical. And so we bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, so next time you think about skipping church, just think about what Amber said. This is what you get when you don't. All right. We good? No? Okay. Not doing it. All right. I'm going to get to preach today, buddy. Yeah. And so, I'm, I'm so excited I'm going to share something that I felt like the Lord told me during worship, and I and I, and I'm going to get to a piece of this in the message. But I felt like He just wanted me to start with this: is that I all of a sudden just began to feel the sense of holiness in the room, holiness about halfway through worship, and it was really interesting. We weren't singing about holiness, we weren't singing about the courts of the Lord. We weren't singing. How you know when the Lord is there, it's holy, whether you're saying holy, holy, holy or not. And all of a sudden, I just began to feel holy, holy, holy. And I was like, Lord, what are you doing? He's like, my holiness is around. I was like, I feel that. And he's like, I'm actually creating a pathway for people to be set free from habitual sin. See, sin sin doesn't have a power over you. But the habit of sin often does. I'm going to say it again. Sin has no power over you because of the cross of Jesus. And if you have received Jesus into your life and the blood of Jesus that we partook of today, then sin has actually no authority in your life. But the habit of sin, and a lot of times we get confused where we think we can't stop sinning when I want to tell you it's a revelation of the holiness of who God is that will actually bring you to a freedom. It's freedom that God, and I felt like the Lord, this is, it just wanted to let you know, if you are in the habitual state, you're stuck in a place of sin or a certain sin in your life, God is not condemning you right now. He's saying, I actually let my holiness walk in here to bring freedom today. And so I feel like the Lord is just saying that, and we're going to get to a place about what it looks like to be full of forgiveness of sin here today. But he's, he wants to start by letting you know, even if you're forgiven, as you are forgiven, he's wanting you to know he's also breaking the habit of it. I thought my CR people would be a little louder about that. I'm not going to lie. Why? Because you've learned that the habit of sin has no authority over you. And God is, he's, he's done it as, like, he doesn't need anyone saying holy, holy, holy. He, he doesn't have any needs 
for me to be like, oh, you're so holy, God. He actually is just, it's a revelation. When you get near him, you realize, oh, there is nothing impure or unclean about you, God. And you're being made into his image. All right? I, I feel like he's wanting to say that because I actually felt like there were people in here today that were thinking, I can't worship because. And God was saying, no, worship because. Right? Because I'm here. Because I've done it. Because the moment you incline your heart to me and say, God, forgive me, it's pure. You're pure in here right now. And if, if even if you're like, well, I didn't ask for forgiveness, ask right now. Two seconds. You're pure. I just, I'm going to celebrate. I think I saw a young man over here receiving Jesus today. Where is that, is that young man still in here? He's in class. Hey, mom and dad. Hey, mom and dad. Good job. Good job, mom and dad. He'll remember it as the greatest day of his life. People are going to ask 20 years, why are you the way you are? And he says, I stood in front of this place. And God came into my life. And so I just want to bless you guys, bless your family, and just tell you the power of God is all around you. All right. Here we go. I just want to encourage you. Sometimes God speaks to us like in our spirit where you just know, right? You're the knower. Y'all know the knower? Well, all of a sudden you're like, man, that's God. And then some some of you hear like a voice. Maybe it's not like external, but you hear a voice and that's God speaking to you. That's right. And then there is that external voice. I'll tell you, two weeks ago I actually heard the audible voice of God for the first time in a long time. It woke me up. I was like, whoa. And it was for someone else. I was like, what about me? He's like, you love them. I'm like, okay. And then then there's God, how he speaks through the scripture, through revelation. Like he'll just tell you a verse or a reference. And if he's like me, he's just like, hey, left page, left side, left column. Here we go. You know? But sometimes he speaks to you through your Bible reading. And and oftentimes, you know, I I don't mention Bible reading as our course of life because I don't want you to try to earn anything. But I want you to get in the Word because I, you you love the Word. You mean you love Jesus? He is the Word, right? And as you begin to read and and get in there, you begin to hear His language and you begin to see His nature and all these things. And I was reading in John, and all of a sudden I felt this clarity for the season we're in. From one verse. And I felt just, and, and all of a sudden I began to realize, oh man, I think I realized what the, the kingdom and the king is declaring over us right now through this one verse. And so I'm just going to launch out of that verse today. So turn to John 16. And this is what I wrote. It says, what's the king and his kingdom declaring over us and us and through us right now? What's the king? Not Facebook. Not the news. Not everybody else's opinion. Most importantly, not your opinion. What is God declaring right now? Because it's really going to be important. There were two camps when Jesus was on the earth. Those that believed the report of the Lord and those that didn't. And the camp that didn't eventually crucified Jesus. Because they couldn't understand the report that God was releasing on earth right now. And, and the truth is it was actually very anti-political what Jesus was there to do. And they wanted it to be political. So I'm just going to tell you, the pol- politics are not the answer right now. The kingdom is. And God is wanting us to understand this as we dive into the scripture that we don't have any filter that's trying to dictate politics or uh, even uh, American politics or global politics. He's saying, no, listen, I've got a declaration and I need you to catch it. This is my report. So let me give you a little context. Jesus is in the middle of his discussion with the disciples. He's literally telling them he's going to leave. 
He's telling them, hey, I know you, I've been saying this and you're not understanding me, but I need to tell you this again. I'm going to heaven. Now, it's funny because he says you can't understand the rest of what I say because of the grief from what I just said. And I believe that that's the stage where a lot of us are in. Oh, it's COVID. Oh, it's, it's, it's race wars. Oh, it's lack of future. And those are a reality in our world right now. But the next phrase was, hey, I'm sending another one just like me to come. Oh, do you know that in that same passage, he says, greater things you will do than I'm doing. He's beginning to make declaration. But in this, he's also saying, this is not going to be a trouble-free journey. And then he makes this crazy statement. He says, oh, and by the way, you're all going to leave me. All of you are going to leave me. And you can just hear him, no, no, not me. But it actually says they were grieved at what he was saying. And, and why am I giving the context? Because I want to tell you that it's not always smiles in the kingdom until you recognize the revelation of who the king is in it. And yes, we believe in the blessing of God. Yes, we believe in the prosperity of the kingdom and who God is in our lives is going to make us rich on the inside. But Jesus said, hey, you will have trouble. Trouble's out there. Why? Because you have an enemy, and he's always trying to make trouble. Why? Because he's always trying to come against the plan of God. The plan of God is that he would have a people on earth that would rule and reign with him. That's Eden's plan from the beginning. He's saying, I've got this plan. I want to release it, and the enemy hates you because of it, because you're part of God's plan. Oh, and by the way, you're his favorite, so he really hates you. And so that's the context Jesus is, is telling them. Because sometimes we read this like, oh, it's such a good passage. For them, it was not a good passage. Until he said this. John sixteen thirty three. He says, I've told you these things. Why? Because he didn't want them to be oblivious to what was coming. I've told you what's about to happen. I've told you about the trouble. I've told you about when it's not going to be the greatest day. I've told you that you're going to fail. I told you I'm sending my Holy Spirit. I told you you're going to do greater things than I've even done on earth. I've told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And when I read that, all of a sudden it was like, take heart, take heart. And, and the, the word right there is thesaro, and it means this. It means to take courage or be encouraged. It means to let the joy of the Lord come in you. It means, hey, be strengthened. Isn't it interesting that Nehemiah 2,000 years earlier says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And God says, hey, take courage or joy. I'm giving you what you need right now. I know I just told you a lot of things that are overwhelming you, but take heart. And I feel like the Lord would say to us as God, as His people, as His children, as His army, there's a time for family, and we're in that always. I'm going to tell you, there's a time for war, and we're in that now. And it's an understanding to take heart. We're not fighting an equal battle. We have won. And sometimes I think we look at it, and we're like, we feel like, if you, if you know anything about basketball, you feel like you're the point guard, and the devil is the giant center blocking everything you're shooting. That's why we shoot threes, right? <laughs> if you know basketball. Did, Dad, did you shoot three ball? Yeah, there you go. But we have to understand that God has given us the ability to take heart in the middle of this. I want to set the context again. All of these things the disciples are hearing sound like bad news or they can't even receive the good news. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, take heart. Take courage. Be strong. Why? And then he tells them the reason why, and we're going to get into some of those in a minute. But I want to, I just want to, I want to land here on peace for just a second, because he says, peace I'm giving you. And I think that a lot of times we have a really, uh, 
a misunderstanding of peace. And because, like, when we think of, like, a time for peace, right, and peace and love and all these things, it's no war. But in the kingdom, peace is like Jesus in the boat in the storm. He's sleeping, and they're mad, and they're like, man, it's time for war. And he's like, I know it's storming, but I live in a different reality. And then what's he do? He stands up, says hush, the storm stops, and he goes, that's my reality. That's my reality. But we have to understand that peace is, I wrote this down, and this is Bill Johnson, this is not Tim. I wrote it down, though, that peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. And we have to understand that peace is not the absence of conflict. It's knowing that you're carrying the answer or the solution for conflict. It's knowing that who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. And all of a sudden, you can sleep in the storm. Why? Because peace is all over you. Because he says, peace you have in me. And I feel like I just, I want to land here for a minute. I've got so much stuff I want to talk about. But I felt like the Lord began to show me the, the Greek word for peace is actually urene. And urene is a medical term. How many of you have ever broken a bone in your body? Wow, I was expecting a lot more. Do you know that where your bone heals, if it heals properly, is actually stronger than the place that was where it was broken before? It's actually stronger. It's actually stronger than the rest of your bone. And and the word is actually that right there. It's 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 the the medical term where it says, "Hey, there was a brokenness or a disjointingness, so you couldn't be in peace with God." And now there's a joining together or a healing or a urene. It means to be joined with someone. And all of a sudden you're stronger than before. And I feel like God is wanting, because oftentimes the enemy tries to bring up our brokenness. And I think it's funny because it's like Jesus comes in and says, oh, that place you were broken, now you're strong. Because I'm in there and we've been joined together. And you're Urene. You're stronger than before. You're joined together. And Jesus is saying, hey, join with me right now. It's so easy to join with other things right now. With opinion. It's so easy. It's so easy to let every other report come in. And Jesus is like, what am I saying? What am I doing? What am I doing in your life right now? What am I declaring over our nation right now? Listen, I get two or three messages a week, and if you're watching, I keep them coming. It doesn't bother me that how America's falling and and all these things. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, I just don't believe that. And here's why. Because I've chosen to believe a different report. I mean, yes, without the church... I don't think any nation can stand without God's people. But with God's people rising up in peace, joining together. And he says, peace you'll have in me. And I feel like God is wanting us to walk out of here today with more peace. A peace that says, man, all hell looks like it's breaking loose. But they don't know that I am carrying heaven. And I am joined together. With the one. And then we're joined together because we're carrying this peace. See, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is a third of the kingdom, the peace of God. But oftentimes we let that be dictated by our circumstances or opinion or the news or what we read today. Or maybe we're in the Bible and we're having a good day. But I want to tell you that peace is not up for negotiation in the kingdom. He's saying, no, I'm not saying you get to come in and out of peace. He's saying, I need you to be in peace. And that's not saying you won't have emotion that tries to get you out of that. But he's saying, come on, get in me right now. Get in me. Get in me. It's hard. I know it's trouble all around. It's persecution. The word for trouble and persecution and tribulation means there's tension and pressure. We got pressure all around. What's that mean? We got peace as an offer. 
Whose report are you going to believe today? Whose report are you going to believe? See, it's... I, I just want to say this again. In this context... He's saying, even in the things that you look like as bad news, I'm going to turn to good. It looks like it's bad that I'm leaving. But in Acts 2, they weren't, they weren't saying, oh, it's so bad Jesus left. They're saying, oh, it's so good the Holy Spirit came. What's he saying? I already have a plan for the trouble you're walking in right now. I already have answers to the questions you don't even know to ask. And I want to tell you, be in peace. So, then he drops the bomb. Take heart. Be of good courage. Be of good cheer. Be strong in me. Now, there's two ways you can look at this. I I want to mention this because someone, last time I talked about this, they were like, well, you know, that's kind of like a cheerleading thing. Like, God's just saying, Cheer up. No. He's actually saying, I am imparting something in you. I'm giving you courage. I'm giving you what you need right now. I'm putting it in you. And if you'll hear my words and receive it in peace, it will actually bear fruit that you don't even know you're asking for right now. Take heart. Take heart. I want to look at all of you now and say, take heart. Take heart. Carry a better report. Carry the report of the kingdom. It doesn't mean rebuke someone when they have an opposite view of you. Just know in spirit, I'm believing God is going to turn it to good. We've been so busy saying, well, I've got to craft my argument. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe the peace that's coming out of you says, I'm just going to stand in this situation and it's going to bring a difference. Maybe, and it's not even really a maybe, let it be the very report of God that I've taken heart, I have courage. And it's like when you so much courage, when Joshua gets told, be strong and have good courage. You know, God told him that three times in Joshua 1. You know that next time we see Joshua, he's pulling a sword on God? He's pulling a sword on God. And he says, whose side are you on? Because if you're not on our side, it's going to be a war. And then God just in very God tone says, hey, it's neither I'm not the enemy or for you. I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. But I want to tell you that there is an impartation that God wants to give us to take heart today. Take heart So what does that mean? What's going on? Because then all of a sudden I just begin to look into that word and what's it mean? And Jesus uses it a lot. Why? Because when good things are happening in the kingdom, he's telling people to take heart. And so I want to talk about some good news today. The good news of the kingdom. And it's really interesting. Chris and I, tell me the guy who had good news. John Krasinski. And he, he I, it was like a phenomenon during COVID that he just had a show with good news. And it kind of made me mad. Not that he was doing good news. That the gospel, it means good news. And it took someone outside of the kingdom to have good news during a time when something wasn't good. And I'm like, God, we got to have the church take heart. Rise up. Recognize some good news. What's the good news? I'm about to read you some really good news. It's not sticking our head in the sand. It's saying, hey, heaven's perspective is doing something even in the midst of this. Oh, and not just like a little thing. He's actually going to turn it to good. Let me tell you, it takes faith to believe that. I've had so many people that I even respect in the Lord. They're like, oh, this is a really rough time. I'm like, stop saying that. I told them, I was like, God's going to do it. I literally made the statement about racism. I was like, it's going to end our generation. "Mm." And I was like, that's fine. You don't have to believe, but I'm telling you, that's unbelief. That's unbelief. It's unbelief to believe that God can't do something in our generation. 
It's unbelief. We can call it practical realism. I just call it unbelief. And God is saying, I need a people who will believe. Listen, as we believe, it literally plants us in the place of the delight of God. Because look at them believing when even all hell is around. Look at them believing when the news says this. Look at them believing when the reality is going on is this, but they know they're carrying the answer. So we're just going to do the first one. So stay right here in John 33. I'm going to do five of these real quick. John 6.33. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What's going on? There's a revelation of heaven's perspective about what's going on on earth. He just tells them all these things that are going to happen. And he says, take heart. But he doesn't just tell them like, hey, buck up. God is not a guy that just comes up and says, hey, Elmer, get your attitude right. Buck it up. He's like, no, no, come on now. I take heart and here's why. Here's why. I have overcome the world. It's interesting. This is pre-cross and Jesus is already declaring the plan of heaven on earth. See, a lot of us are really good at declaring things that are going on. Heaven is good at declaring things that are to come, that are the reality. And heaven has a reality that was different than their grief right there in John 16. Heaven has a reality that they are going to do greater things. He's saying, I want to do all these amazing things in you. And the reality is you don't feel it right now, but I have overcome the world. And the word right there is the world is not the political system. All these things he's saying, I literally have taken the spiritual world and I have it under control. The principalities and powers that so many people have preached on, sometimes they forget to mention Jesus has overcome them. And when, even when we talk about principalities and powers and authorities, like don't empower them. They're under your feet. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want to remind you, you don't feel this right now, Ty, but I have overcome the world. You don't feel how I, what you can't see it yet, but you're like Elisha's servant. And one day you're going to walk out and I'm going to peel back the blinders and you're going to say, whoa, wait a minute. Greater are those who are for us than against us. The armies of Israel are warring on our behalf. What am I saying? God is telling us to take heart right now because he wants to give you a different perspective. A different perspective on right where you're at. All right. So here we go. Susan, you ready? So this morning I'm praying and I'm just right here at this point and I'm just praying about it, laying it before the Lord and I heard him say, boy, that girl is in some tension that there's pressure all around. And the enemy has actually been doing two things. He's been lying to you that first of all, it's all your fault. And the father is, wants me to tell you right now, that is not true. And he literally is taking the seeds of those words out of you right now, because where you're going, you can't have that in you. He said, I'm literally taking that. I'm telling you, it's not your fault. And he's removing that lie from you. The other thing is he's telling you you're not doing enough. And the Lord wants you to know right now that I have overcome the world. And this is not based on how good you're performing or how hard you're working or how much revelation you've had or how many books you've read or how I've got to figure this out. And literally I saw a spirit of torment that's been telling you try harder, try harder, try harder. And the Lord wants me to tell you right now don't. Rest, rest. And I heard the, vo- the verse in Isaiah that says, it's in my quietness and rest that they have overcome. And it's going to be a season of such trust, such trust with the Father, that all of a sudden you're gonna, people are going to say, what do you do? And I say, I, I just got quiet. I just got real before the Lord. And I, just, I see so much healing happening in this time for you, and I just want you to know he has overcome the world. He has overcome the problem. He has overcome the tension. He's overcome it. And it's yours to walk in. Now, if you want that word, take it. 
If you, I, I can tell you got it. She was like, no, that's for me. I take that word. Yeah. So I just want you to, to see that. Why? Because we have to understand he has overcome the world. Number two, ah, we're not doing good. Matthew 9, I'll read from one. It says, Jesus stepped into the boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. Now, some people think this is a parallel to the one that was lowered through the roof. We don't know that. It says, Jesus saw their faith. It's the same response, though. And he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. I just think we're in such an important time to understand the redemptive greatness of who God is in our lives and the authority that Jesus has already done. It's really interesting that how when, when the spirits begin to swing back and forth, they always try to dig up old stuff. And God is saying, no, I have forgiven that. Let's start from here. Let's start fresh right now. And he looks at that man who really needed his friends to carry him there. And I don't even have time to get into that. And they lay him before Jesus. And Jesus says, the simple thing for me is to fix the outside. The simple thing for me is to fix your legs, to fix your back, to cause you to walk. But I am always in pursuit of the greater thing for all of you. And so I'm going to fix your insides. I'm going to fix the sin. I didn't say the sin caused him to be sick. It doesn't say that. He's just saying, I'm going to show you how much I love you right now. I'm going to show you the depth of my love and my goodness. And I'm not only going to heal your back, your legs, whatever was going on. I'm going to heal you completely. I'm going to forgive your sins. I think it's so important because in the, in the, it's always when there's pressure and trouble, the enemy immediately begins to bring up your performance and sin. It's immediate. I have never found it like where people are like, there's so much pressure. And now I'm not doing well. What's that mean? I'm sinning. Whether in thought or deed, whether in belief system. And God's saying, listen, you've got to understand the place of my forgiveness in your life. You have to understand the authority in which I am carrying to forgive. I have forgiven you. You are forgiven. Now he's saying, I just need you to embrace it. And I, I don't want to skip over that in a few verses, Jesus does heal his back or legs. Why? Because when he fixes the inside, the outside's easy. Listen, oftentimes I know that in here we're just not going to empower sin. We're just not. Like, oh, just, you know, it's keeping me from Jesus. No, it's not. No, it's not. You just have to have a place where you're in the forgiveness of God. You understand. Living in his forgiveness, there's so much fruit in it. But it's really interesting that it, it says four verses later that the whole crowd was in awe. And I believe this, and this is going to be a big word right here. If you are not in the awe of the forgiveness of your sins, you have not had the full revelation of the forgiveness of your sins. And God is wanting you to be in such a place of your awe of, awe of him. Like, God, could you forgive me? And he says, you bet I am. I already have. And when you begin to recognize that, you begin to just fall on your face and say, oh, God, you do love me. You drew a line in the sand. That's why I started the way I did about holiness because God is saying right now, sin is not your master. It's not your master. And there's an awe he's wanting to fill your spirit with today that there is no sin that I am not forgiven of. Past, present, future. I just want to be super clear. I'm not giving you permission to sin. Romans 6, 1 says, shall we go on sinning then? Certainly not. Because we understand we have been forgiven of this sin, we then no longer partake. Because the awe of who Jesus is in our life gives you the grace then to say no to ungodliness. Titus 2, it's a grace that comes on you when you've received the awe that I can't do it without him. And he's so good, he did it for me. And now I'm free. And Galatians, I, it was for freedom. 
that Christ set me free. Not for the idea of freedom, not for the, the cool revelation of freedom, but the act of freedom where I walk around free. Free from sin. Everybody just give me an amen on that one. Why? Because there's got to be so much awe in you. Y'all missed it. Dan stood up when I'm talking about awe. Why? Because all of a sudden he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Because you understand what you've been forgiven. You'll love much. You will love much. So when the holiness of God walks in, it's not a shame thing. It's all of a sudden, man, I've been forgiven that much. I love you so much. Ooh. Yeah, he's helping us. Number three. Just go 20 verses over. I cheated on this one, found it in the same chapter. It says Matthew nine twenty two. This is, man, this one is intense. The father comes to his son, I mean to Jesus, and says, hey, my daughter is dying. We know the story, right? He's on his way. There's a woman with the issue of blood. I think it's Luke tells us she's had it for 12 years. She thinks to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, right? Many great songs, books been written on that phrase, the hem of his garment. Why? Because of one radical push in. She pushes in. She gets hold of his cloak. Ain't just a cool revelation. Do you know that after this, it says that people would push in to try to grab his cloak. Why? Because they learned once it happened, it can happen again. It's two chapters later. It says they're all reaching in to grab the touch of cloak. Why? Because she had set a new standard in the kingdom. And she pushes in. And, she said, and, and Jesus says, whoa, virtue flew out of me. Who touched me? And Timothy and Ty are like, God, everybody's touching you. It's crowded. And he says, no, no, no. Someone touched me. Virtue flew out of me. Or someone worshipped me. Someone understood the greatness of what was going on in their realm. And they reached in. And then they, they're like, who touched? And she, she comes forward and Jesus, it says this in 22, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He says, your faith has healed you. The word for healed right there is not a church in town. It's a Greek word called sozo. And he says, hey, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. Take heart. All the pain that came with your 12-year journey, take heart. All the shame that's happened, we have to understand she's living under law. She's living outside the camp. Everything because of the bleeding. If you read Exodus, she's out there, discarded by all of her friends, family, the nation, everyone. And God says, take heart. Everything that the enemy has planned for you for 12 years, I'm making you whole. I have made you whole. Take heart. I'm sozoing you right now. It's not a ministry. It's who I am. I'm sozoing the very places of pain in your life. I'm sozoing the memories. I'm sozoing the hurt. I'm sozoing it. Yes, there is process, but a lot of times it's one moment understanding who Jesus is. And I just want to be clear. He didn't say I'm beginning the process of sozoization in you. He says, I have sozoed you, made you whole. Take heart. Be of good courage. Be of good cheer. Let the joy of the Lord fill you up because you're different from now on. And he's not just talking about the bleeding issue. He's talking about the whole world that came with it. I love it because he's wanting to restore us, redeem us, rescue us, save us. You know, I, I don't mind the question, when did you get saved? But I hope you remember the greatness of what your answer should be. You know, I got saved when I was five. Probably three. But my parents reassured me at five, you know. I remember it. But I remember the awe of salvation coming on me at 17. 
when Jesus walks into my room and says, we need to talk about what happened when you were five. And I was like, yes, sir. Why? Because there was an awe of what he had done in my life. It says this right here. Everyone was amazed. Why? Because they knew what he was saying. They were saying, I didn't just heal you. You're all fixed all the way through. Number four. Hey, Tiffany, could you throw that image up there for me? It's all right. So I saw this this week. Y'all see the shark fins in the field? This bothered me this week because this had fear written all over it. Murder hornets, corona, race wars, land sharks. They're scary. They knock on your door and say, land shark. No, if you don't know what that is, it's okay. But I saw this and I thought, this sums up what's going on. Be afraid or forebode because this year is terrible. This year is full of obstacles that you have not yet overcome. This year has obstacles that are too big for you. This year has put me in a different state of mind. I'm just trying to get through survival, survival. And I want to tell you, I saw this and it bothered my spirit. And then I read the next take heart. Jesus walking on the water to come see his disciples. Mark six fifty. Immediately he spoke to them. Why? Because they were afraid. And fear has no place in front of our king. They were afraid. And immediately he went to acknowledge their fear and dispel it. He didn't say, don't be afraid. He said, take heart. Take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. I think it's awesome he didn't start with, quit being afraid. That would have sounded like a rebuke. He said, no, it's me. Here I come walking on the water. Don't be afraid. Here I am dealing with your fear. What's going on? It's a revelation of the greatness of God. They've been hanging out with Jesus at this point for two and a half years. They think they've got him all figured out. And there he comes walking on the water. And it's really interesting that he goes on two verses later and it says that their hearts were hardened because they didn't understand about the loaves. The previous passage before this is the feeding of the 5,000. He was saying, hey, I have nature or this world I have overcome. I have it under my authority and domain. And it says their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand about the loaves. And so they didn't, couldn't quite understand how they could be walking on the water. So he showed them again. I have authority over nature. What was he saying? I'm greater than you know. I'm greater than you know. I want to tell you, take heart. He's greater than we know. Those of you who have been trying to figure out a formula to stop all this stuff, I want to tell you it starts and ends with the revelation of the greatness of Jesus in this situation. He's greater than we know. All of a sudden, the fear that's trying to rise up, and like, man, what's going to happen? What's it going to look like for our kids and grandkids? I know this. Jesus is greater than we know. And whether it's war or peace in the natural, it will be peace for my line. It will be peace for my children's children. Why? Because we're going to teach them who Jesus is. The greatness of Jesus is. And all of a sudden, they're going to be like, how are you people walking on the water? And it's because all of a sudden, hey, we follow one who walks on the water. God is wanting to reveal to us that in such a way that we actually respond the way heaven's responding. I love the revelation that God is good. But the next revelation is that Jesus is great. The next revelation that he's great enough to step right into my situation. Maybe my family life is a mess and I got to have a revelation. Jesus is great and him walking in here going to fix it. It says they were amazed when he got in the boat. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Did he just walk on the water? 
Is there like a bridge out there? Like, how do you do that? Some are like, I don't know if he did. The others are like, is there like plexiglass under there? Like, what? how do you do that? And the scientific ones, like, I wonder if God made that a solid. All I know is they were in awe of all aspects of the greatness of God at that moment. They were in awe again. Last one. I can do this one quick. Turn with me to Acts. Acts 23. Oh, you're like, oh, this one's not going to be from Jesus. Surprise, it's in the red. This one blew my mind. So all this uproar going on in, in Jerusalem, Paul caused it by preaching the good news. He gets whipped, he gets flogged, he gets, and then they detain him because they're like, oh, but they're about to tear him limb to limb. How many trouble you will have? Like, I thought I was doing the will of God. He is. He's right in the middle of the will of God. Right in the middle of the will of God. And it feels like all it is is trouble. It says, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, now I just have to pause here for a minute. I've read Acts thousands of times. Never once have I ever seen that it was actually God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit standing next to Paul. Why? Because what Paul had been doing was right in the middle of the will of God, and God always backs up what he's doing. He always backs up. It would have been easy to Paul, I guess I shouldn't have come to Jerusalem. I guess I shouldn't have preached the gospel. I guess I shouldn't have said that. And then the, the critical mind in it is like, I wish I hadn't used that verse. That one really got him stirred up. All these things. And God comes and stands beside him and says, Hey, I just want to let you know what we were doing. It was right. Take courage. Take courage. So right now, some of you are believing the lie, but the trouble that's all around you is caused by you. And part of me wants to just tell you, no, you're right in the middle of the will of God. Some of you, the trouble you're in is caused by you. And I want to tell you, take heart. Let him affirm you and go to the next step. Because it's about to happen right here. God tells him, he says, take heart, Paul. I love it. He didn't send an angel. Acts is full of angels. But this is a big one. God says, hey, guys, here I am. I could write that verse a million different ways, but it would all sound like this. The presence of God was in the room. And everything that he had been feeling, everything the enemy had been lying about, everything that had been swirling away around went away. In one moment of God's voice. And this is what he said. Take courage or be of good cheer or choose courage or take heart. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, I just want to say that that is an affirming declaration that everything you've been doing is right. It's good. There's nothing like hearing a lie and having your father say, that's all a lie. Don't believe it. And then he says the next one, what's he say? He says, now we're going to Rome. You've got to testify there too. The word testify in the first one is to deliver the good news. You've been doing that. The word testify, the second one is you're going to be a martyr. Whoa. Why did I bring that up? Because take courage. I'm going to let you know the next step of directioning your life. And it's going to look bad, but it's right. It's me. I'm in it. It's right. It's me. I'm in it. Never once in the Gospels does Paul say, come rescue me from this. Why? Because God stood with him in Acts and said, hey, we're going here, and I'm going to bless you to do it. I'm going to bless you to be a martyr. I'm going to bless you to be a testimony. Think about what it says later. It says, man, all the prison guard have heard the gospel because of what's going on in Rome. I'm going to stand before the Caesar, the known leader of the known mankind at that time. I'm going to stand before him and tell the gospel. Why? Because God stood next to me and said, take heart. What you've been doing is good. Affirmation. Everywhere you've been responding to me is right. Where we're going is just as good. And I just, I believe this, that the Lord wanted me to end with this because 
there's two big old lies that have been happening. As everything I'm doing is not right because of all the trouble that's around me. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to just welcome the Lord right now. We're going to get some sozo. Wholeness. I literally saw the Lord removing the lie that because it's hard, He's not in it. And I literally saw Him saying, I make all things good. I make all things new. And He's needing us to understand that, to take heart, that what we've been doing is right and the enemy is lying to you right now. Some of you need to take heart that your sins are forgiven in here. I mean, be in awe of it. So much awe that the next time the enemy comes to tell you to do it again, say, I am free from that. Completely. I don't ever have to take another drink. I don't ever have to look at anything perverse. I don't ever have to do that again. Why? Because I am free from that. I don't ever have to think that way. I don't have to have that old habit of thinking of my past. I don't have to have that excuse that my past is running my now. Because I'm in awe of the forgiveness of God. And let me just say the forgiveness doesn't just go to the sins you've done, but the sins done against you. I'm going to say that again. I feel like the Lord just told me to say that. It's not just anything that you've done, but the sins done against you. Why? If we keep the sins done against us unforgiven, we are not in freedom from them. So anywhere where you've been abused, hurt, mistreated, lied about, slandered, God's saying, I have forgiven all those too so you can be free of those. Whoa. I specifically feel like there was someone in here abused by your father. And you, you haven't, not that you haven't forgiven. It's really interesting. I see that you have, but you haven't seen the father forgiving it. So it still has authority in your life. So every time your behavior matches that, then you're like, yeah, it's that thing's fault. And I see the Lord literally severing that and saying, I have forgiven that sin done to you. So if that's you right now, just receive. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you right now, just receive it. Just receive it. The forgiveness of God. Be in awe of it. The last thing I want to deal with, and it's, it's just something that Amber actually said, something that just sparked me in our staff meeting or our pastoral time on Thursday, she said, man, I just, I want to give our kids something that they know, a secure future. And I, I believe that there's some foreboding. Like, what's July got to hook? There's sharks in the water? Is there sharks on land? The reason it's important is you think, well, water, I, I chose to be in the water, but where I live is on land. And I feel like there's been a ton of foreboding. The enemy has literally been building foreboding in us. Like, oh, it's just, it could get worse. Or it could get worse before it gets better. I mean, it could, but let's not, not, not be our declaration. And I believe this, that the Lord is literally dealing with the foreboding spirit today in his church. And he's just saying, don't partner with any of that. Don't partner don't partner with it because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the principalities, powers, and authorities that would love to make July a land shark central. So we're going to end like this. I don't want to embarrass anyone, so I'm just, I'm going to, I feel like the Lord's wanting me to do it this way. If you just feel like I'm just going to step into a belief system of the awe of the Lord on forgiveness in my life. Things I've done and done to me, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands right now. If you just say, I'm going to choose to step into that right now, today, even more. I'm really giving an opportunity for every hand in here to be up right now. If you just say, I'm choosing that, I'm choosing to step into the awe of the Lord. Why? Because I believe that the Lord is actually establishing something about how great He is in the depth of our lives.
Now I want to end like this. So just the Lord sees our hands right now. We're just in awe of you. If there's anyone in here that today you're like, I'm being set free from the power of sin in my life. I just want to encourage you to come up at the end. There's going to be altar team up here. Just come and let them agree with you. No more. Never again. But I want to say to the rest of you, take heart, for he has overcome the world. Take heart, for he has not will. I love it. I checked the future tense just to make sure it didn't say will overcome. He says, I have. He was talking from eternity's perspective. I've already done it. I have overcome. I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. So I just bless you guys right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the altar team to just go ahead and come up. Just testing there. Real quick. We're going to have the altar teams up here. Listen, if you just say, I don't think I know salvation like you're talking about, being completely set free, and you want to come and give your life to the Lord today, give your life to this man, Jesus, say he is the Son of God. We're going to have teams up here to pray with you. Just want to bless you and love on you today. Amen. All right. Also, if uh, you are new with us or haven't met our senior leaders, Tim and Elizabeth Darnell, they're going to be straight out the back doors right down the middle there. Uh, Just be blessed this week. Stay safe. And if you need prayer for anything at all, we would love to pray for you down front here.